If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 is where we'll be at tonight. Good to see you guys tonight. Hope you had a good afternoon and glad we can be back together to continue our study of God's Word. Uh, this is, I think, the third time we've been in our series uh, on the Look series. And uh, what we're doing here is uh, looking at various interactions specifically that Jesus has uh, with different individuals or different groups of people and those types of things. And really, I would like to encourage you to do tonight uh, with all of these, uh, this the part of this series is to try and put yourself somewhere in this account, okay? Uh, maybe you can put yourself in Jesus' shoes. Maybe you can put yourself in the shoes of the people that Jesus sees, the people that he looks at, the people that look at him. And, and somewhere, where would you fit into it? And, and there's probably not a perfect answer to it. Certainly, uh, none of us are going to be Jesus in all of these situations, but we might uh, relate to some of the things that Jesus sees when we have looked at other people. Uh, certainly, most of us would probably relate to uh, the people that Jesus looks at, and sometimes he's happy with them, just like sometimes Jesus is probably happy with the way you live your life. And sometimes Jesus looks at folks and he's disappointed in them. And there's probably sometimes that Jesus would look down at us and he would be uh, disappointed in us too. So, but that's the, the point as we think about this, uh, try and put yourself into these. And also, let's recognize that no matter how many of these we did, if we did these from now until the end of time, we would never have enough time to cover all of the interactions that Jesus had from his childhood to his death, uh, all the individual interactions. But we have these that are written in scripture for us. And they're written there for a reason. God put the story that we're going to talk about tonight with uh, Matthew being called uh, by Jesus. He put that in there so that we could learn something. Not just learn an event that happened, but somehow learn some sort of application for our life. And we'll try and do two or three things and kind of just have a a conversation, a little bit of a a walking through and talking through uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. Make a couple of points, uh, and then the lesson will be yours. I do before we go any further, and I'll do this again on next Sunday morning to embarrass them even further. Uh, But our our youth interns are here. Jesse may have already said this, but I was not here for the beginning of the song, so I'm going to do it again. And uh, we're going to embarrass them. So Addie and Jameson are here. I'm going to ask them to stand. They're right over here. These are our youth interns this summer. Uh, So if you have not had the chance to meet them yet, please meet them. Uh, Thank you, guys. They'll be here working with our our teenagers uh, and parts of the other rest of the congregation, helping a lot with VBS and camp and all kinds of other things. We're excited that they're here. This is their first Sunday with us, and they're very thankful that they are here with us. So we're looking at Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32, and we're going to talk about the calling of the Apostle Matthew as he's a tax collector, and we'll read that in a minute and, and look at some details there. But one thing that's powerful when we think about, of course, uh, the Apostle Matthew is the, also the, the writer of the Gospel of Matthew. And to be a tax collector in the first century, as we talked about last week, remember because last week we talked about Zacchaeus and uh, how tax collectors had a bad reputation, not only a bad reputation uh, religiously or morally, but also politically and, uh, and culturally. Uh, they were people who betrayed the Jews and who worked for the Roman Empire. Uh, they were people who... Uh, Philip actually told me the one thing that one, one of the reasons that uh, tax collectors and sinners were often lumped together is because of their handling of money, uh, but maybe not specifically so much. So I think there, there's part of that, and there is a part of the law. You know, you think back to, remember when Judas uh, betrays Jesus and he's paid 30 pieces of silver, and afterwards he feels great regret and he comes back into the temple and he throws it at the chief priests, or he throws it at the, the priest's uh, feet, and they say, well, we can't, we can't put that in the temple treasury, that's... that's evil money so they take that and they buy the potter's field and the potter's field is the place where uh different poor people and criminals and things like that are are buried so they could not take that money because it was unclean money and so in the same way tax collectors would have been ceremonially unclean according to the jewish law because they would have been handling money from various sources so that may have been part of the reason 
But tax collectors had a bad reputation outside of just the ceremonial uncleanness. They have a bad reputation because they cheat and they steal and they take more than what they should take. Uh, And one thing that I was looking at uh, this afternoon said that I had not thought about before, and maybe you knew this already, uh, but in the first century in the Roman uh, area, in the Roman law, the way that taxes work were very different than the way that taxes work today. Uh, The tax collectors would actually pay taxes for a given area ahead of time. So out of Matthew's pocket, he would have paid all of the taxes for this region or this group or this area that he was in charge of. And then after that, his job and probably the motivation for his job, why he would have been so good at his job was he's out X amount of dollars and he's got to get that made back up. So that's why he would go and really stress to people, hey, you got to pay your taxes because I've already paid them for you and you got to pay me back. Okay. So almost a a creditor type situation uh, that they would have had there. So we know that... um, Tax collectors don't have a good reputation. We looked at last week uh, Zacchaeus, and we remarked that uh, Zacchaeus only has 10 verses in all the Bible that's written about him, but we learned some great lessons from Zacchaeus. But with Zacchaeus, we don't know the rest of the story, do we? Uh, We know that he was a wee little man. We know that he climbed up in the sycamore tree. We know that he saw Jesus. He had a great desire to see Jesus. Jesus said, hey, come on down. I'm going to your house today. Uh, He repents of whatever at least perceived sin, perhaps legitimate sin that he had of cheating people, saying I'll pay four times as much if I've robbed from anybody. And Jesus says salvation has come to this house uh, because of this thing that he has done. Okay, so we recognize that. But we don't know what happens to Zacchaeus after this. Jesus goes to his house. We don't know how long he spends time there. We don't know if Zacchaeus becomes a follower of Jesus. We don't know any of those things. We just, we're not told. But of course, with Matthew, he's also a tax collector, so he starts in a similar place. But we know most of the rest of the story of Matthew. He becomes an apostle, not just a follower of Jesus, but an apostle of Jesus. But it's, it's interesting uh, that, that Matthew, in his gospel, would also describe himself as a tax collector, okay? So think about the thing about you that people like the least, Okay? Don't make a list, but think about the thing about you that people don't like the least. And let's say you're writing a story and you're describing yourself, and the way that you started off with is with that detail. Okay? I don't I'm not gonna take the time in my mind even to think of all the ways that people would not like me to you give you an example. You've already got yours in your mind about me anyway, so it's okay. Uh, but think about you're writing a story and you're describing yourself and you start out with the worst thing about you, the thing that nobody likes. That's what Matthew does when he calls himself a tax collector. Okay, one of the ways. Now, we would have known also from the other Gospels, but one of the ways that we know that Matthew was a tax collector, which is this very bad reputation, this very bad situation, a a sinful state in, in a lot of ways, is because he tells us that. Why would Matthew tell us that? Because Jesus changes his life, and it's a redemption story. Matthew tells us, starts with, the worst thing about himself so that we can know that Jesus redeems him from that very bad situation that he starts in. And that's powerful. Uh, and, and that would be something for, for us to think about and to consider when we are, are introducing ourselves to people. We would rarely start with the worst thing ever, but we can be like Paul was. We can be even uh, proud of or happy about or rejoicing in our weakness because when we are weak, he is strong. He makes us strong. Okay? Um, so what else what do we know about Matthew? Well, Matthew's name uh, also is called Levi, and that's telling as well. When we think about this backstory, uh, his name was Levi. Uh, in some, some versions, in some Gospels, he's called Levi. In some Gospels, he's just called Matthew. Uh, but probably the reason his name was Levi is because he was a Levite. Again, 
that's significant because his name was Levi because he was a Levite and the Levites were the priests or at least the people who helped and served in the temple, okay? So not only was he like Zacchaeus, a betrayer of his people, but he was someone who probably, he's called here, I believe in Luke's account, he's called the son of Alphaeus or at least in one of the accounts he's called the son of Alphaeus. Alphaeus and Alphaeus' wife, Matthew's mother, Levi's mother, probably had hopes and dreams just like every Levite family would have that their son one day would grow up and be a priest, And not only does he not grow up and be a priest, he grows up to be a tax collector. This is a redemption story. This is why we have the story. This is why we know about Matthew. Uh, he's, He's a disappointment to his family. He's someone that they probably have cut ties with him just like everyone else in the Jewish community have cut ties with him because they're disappointed in him. We all have hopes and dreams and aspirations for our children, and sometimes they may live up to those things. Sometimes they may go a totally different direction and do great things, and sometimes they may disappoint us. And Matthew had certainly become a disappointment, a big-time disappointment, not only culturally, not only socially, but religiously, and and was a total outcast in his own community. So this is a big deal that we know about Levi, that we know about Matthew. Let's look at Luke chapter 5, verses 26 through 32, and let's make a few points, and the lesson will be yours. Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. And after that, he, that's Jesus, went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and rose up and began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with him. And the Pharisees and the scribes began grumbling and saying to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we think about this look series we think we've got a number of different groups of people. You have Matthew, you have Jesus, you have Jesus' followers, his disciples. You also have uh, the Pharisees. You also have this great, this, it says a, a, great, a great crowd of tax collectors uh, and other people. Uh, other versions that share this sim- similar story would say tax collectors and sinners. Uh, so we have all these different groups. And let's think about some of the, the things that these people see. So Jesus sees, just like he saw with Zacchaeus, another outcast. Uh, that he would have known. He's in, Jesus is in Capernaum at this time. Uh, Jesus has, has traveled back to, uh, to his hometown, and he's been rejected by his hometown. And then after that, he goes to Capernaum. Capernaum, uh, Capernaum would be on the, the northwestern side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, that's where Jesus does a lot of his early ministry. Uh, and it's a fishing town. This is where uh, he meets Matthew. He meets uh, Peter and Andrew, uh, potentially there or nearby, nearby, he's going to meet James and John. This is a, a hub of a lot of Jesus' early activity and early calling of his, his apostles. And here, you know, it's, it's amazing to us that, you know, Jesus is walking along, he sees Levi, he says, follow him, and Levi just, it says, leaves everything, gets up and follows him. And not only does he get up and follow him and say, hey, Jesus, I want to throw a big, a big party for you. I want to throw a big reception for you. And that just amazes us. But, but probably the, the details that were not given is he had probably heard about Jesus before. Jesus had been here in Capernaum before this. Uh, right before this, Jesus had performed some miracles. So perhaps even Levi word has spread through Capernaum very fast. And he's already heard about some of the things that Jesus did. So when this miracle worker walks up to you and says, hey, follow me, you might get up out of your seat and follow him too, even if you didn't know anything else about him. 
Uh, at the very least, he's somebody of, of note, somebody of acclaim, somebody of fame, and you may want to be able to spend some more uh, time with him. But it is interesting, uh, again, in, in verse 29, it says, And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house, and there were a great crowd of uh, tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with him. In Mark's account, in Mark chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, Of that crowd, of those tax collectors and sinners, or tax collectors and other people, it, it says that those people were following him. Okay? It says they were following him, and that's... Again, that's a significant thing. Now, we know that there are large crowds of people who follow Jesus from place to place. He feeds 5,000 one time. He feeds 4,000 one time. We know that a lot of those people, they, they, they follow Jesus for a while, and then some of them leave. But this is, this is a total game changer. These are people who are, are religiously, they're outcasts. They're ceremonially unclean at the very least. What does that mean? What is that, what, how important is that? That means that they were in an unclean state. They could not go to the synagogue. They could not go to the temple. They could not go to worship. They could not offer sacrifices. Now, they had the opportunity, perhaps, to become clean, but it seems as if, when we're talking about tax collectors and sinners, these are people who have made the decision, I know I'm unclean, and I don't really care. They're not interested in the Jewish religion, but they're interested in Jesus, and they follow him. And they follow him for a time. Maybe some of them leave, but at least for a time, they're interested in this. And that, of course, uh, we see the Pharisees in verse 30, that they're grumbling and doesn't that just seem kind of childish for a group of religious leaders to do? To grumble? That just seems kind of childish when you think about it. How many times have we been childish before? We've probably done similar things, maybe in different circumstances. All right, let's, let's think about this. Jesus sees another outcast uh, who, who needs him. Uh, Matthew, or Levi, sees someone who's worthy of his attention, at the very least, and perhaps worthy of his appreciation. He throws a banquet in his honor. It's not that Matthew is having a banquet. He says, hey, Jesus, you want to join us for food? We're already having this party. No, he's throwing a banquet in his honor. He's the guest of honor. He's the reason they're having uh, this this get-together. Jesus sees someone... Uh, or excuse me, Matthew, uh, sees someone who's not only is he uh, worthy of his attention his appre- or his appreciation, but he's worthy of the time of his friends. He says, hey, Jesus called me, and I'm going to have a, a meal in his honor. Will you come and, and meet him? Now, again, he may not at that point have known everything there was to know about Jesus. Certainly probably didn't. He may not have decided to become a follower of Jesus very well, had not decided to be, really be a follower of Jesus yet. But he said, hey, do you want to come and learn more about this guy? I'm learning more about him. Do you want to come learn more about him? Will you join me as I go on this, this journey, this exploration about who this guy is? You've heard about him. He's the guy who's been wandering around town healing people and fussing with the Pharisees. You've heard about him. You want to come, you want to come meet him? Uh, so that's, that's, he's, it's worthy of his friend's attention. Uh, Jesus sees someone else in Matthew as someone who can open doors for him to accomplish his mission. Uh, open doors for him to accomplish his mission of reaching the lost. What do the Pharisees see? Uh, the Pharisees and maybe even some of Jesus' other disciples, his other followers at this time, they just, they just see sinners. And they see Jesus willing to spend time with them. And that doesn't make them happy. They're, they're, not, they're not focused on the good that Jesus could bring to these people. They're focused on, okay, who's this Jesus guy? Oh, he's, he's willing to hang out with those people? I don't really know if I want to hang out with Jesus. I don't really know if Jesus is worth following, if he is going to spend time with those people. And then, of course, uh, we should love verse 31. After their grumbling, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? In verse 30, Jesus answered and said to them, it is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. In Matthew's account of that same verse, that same statement, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13, he says, learn the meaning of this. I desire compassion or mercy or kindness 
and not sacrifice. Here's the point for us. Here's the point that I I want you to take home with you that I think we know, but we need to remind ourselves frequently. What did Jesus see? Not in Matthew. What did Jesus see? Not in Matthew's friends, though he saw things in each of them. What did Matthew see in Jesus? Those are all important. But maybe the, the application for us today is when Jesus looked at the Pharisees and maybe even some of his disciples, the people that had begun to follow him, Jesus sees those who are too focused on the saved to reach the lost. Is that possible for us to do today? Is it possible for us to be too focused on the saved to reach the lost? I think it is. I think that happens. I think that happens regularly sometimes. Not necessarily just here, but I don't think we're immune to this. That we're focused on, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, worship with my family on Sundays and Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I'm going to go to Bible class. I'm going to reach out to uh, and, and have these relationships with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and all of those things are good. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But what about that lost and dying world that sur- we're surrounded by every day? What are we doing to reach out to them? Jesus said, and especially... Like we talked about, you know, we've, we've had this, uh, this transgenderism series on Wednesday nights. Uh, and as we were wrapping that up this past Wednesday, we were talking about folks who may struggle with that. And it's, it's sinful, okay? It, it's a sin to, uh, to live that lifestyle. And we talked in great detail about that over the last four weeks. And if you want the videos to look at those lessons, I'll be happy to share them with you. I'm not going to go into it tonight. But it's a sinful thing. But... If there's someone who is living a lifestyle or struggling with a lifestyle of transgenderism or homosexuality or adultery or drunkenness or lying or cheating or stealing, we want them to be here. We want them to be here. Will it be uncomfortable? Absolutely. Will it be something we'll have to figure out how to deal with that? Absolutely. But we want them to be here because we want them to know that God loves them and the way that they're going to know that God loves them is that we're going to show them his love. And we're going to teach them the gospel. We're going to help them to recognize sin in their life. And we're going to help them to make the decision or give them the opportunity to make the decision to become followers of Jesus. If they're not here, they're not guaranteed to know that message. So Jesus says, it's not the the well, the people who are well who need a doctor. It's people who are sick. Jesus elsewhere would say, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. And that's our job today. He told us to go out into all the world, right? Teaching the gospel to all creation. That's our job. We have to spend time with people who are sinners. And sometimes I I, I know that because because we know that bad company corrupts good morals. And we know that iron sharpens iron. We know that two are stronger together and a a threefold cord is not easily broken. And and we know the importance of camaraderie and unity and, and fellowship and spurring one another on to love and good deeds. And all of those things are right and accurate and good. But our mission as the church is to reach the lost for the cause of Christ. And we can't do that if we're not with them at some point and at some time. And Jesus here reminds these high-browed Pharisees, I want you to learn what this means. I desire compassion. I desire mercy. I desire kindness even more than I desire your sacrifices. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the fact that he came to this earth leaving the perfection of heaven to show us the way, to be the way, the truth and the life, the way that we can get to you and there is no other way. Lord, we thank you for his blood. Thank you for his death, his burial and his resurrection, the good news of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the hope of heaven that 
most of us have here today, dear God, most of us who are Christians, and, and Lord, if there are folks who are, are not Christians, help them to, to come to know and learn and be obedient to the gospel of Christ so that you can save us all through your grace, God. Lord, be with us tonight as we leave this place and help us to take this message and this reminder from Jesus out into the world around us as tomorrow, many of us may not have to work, but if we go back to work on t- t- tomorrow or Tuesday or whenever it may be, or we go back to into our communities, help us to take this recognition that our job, because it was your purpose, is to reach the lost. And Lord, that's not easy and it's uncomfortable and it's not, it's not natural and it makes us get out of our comfort zone. But you died on a cross to save the world. And help us to carry that with us and to share that with everyone that we meet. Lord, forgive us when we don't and forgive us when we, live a, when we fail to live a life worthy of that gospel. Help us to do better. And help us to have the strength to stand up and try again when we fall. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's go out and let's live like the Christians that we're supposed to be. Simply the followers of Jesus that we're supposed to be. Tonight, if you're not a Christian and you want to know more about that, we'd love to have the opportunity to study with you. Uh, in short, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God, if you'll name him as the Lord of your life, repenting from your sins and turning towards him, if you'll submit to baptism where you come into contact with the blood of Jesus and washes away all of your sins, then you can become a Christian, a follower of Christ right now. If you want to know more about that, we want to study with you. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.